Okay, testing one, two, three. If the sound people are listening to this, they're wondering if I did it right. I hope I did. So, uh, can you hear me? How about, do I hold it out here a little bit more? Is that better? Okay, well, my name is Steve Hopper, and it's my privilege to be here today, and my wife is here too. Sharon is in the back, and uh, we have three children, and we have six grandchildren. How many of you have grandchildren? Let's see how many show of hands here. Okay. Well, if we had opportunity, we would have everybody come up to the microphone and tell how great your grandkids are and how they're advanced for their age and all of those kind of things, but uh, we won't be able to do that. Well, it's my privilege to be here. I've been a pastor for a number of years. Uh, we were privileged to go to Dallas Seminary years ago, pastored in Northern California for a number of years, about 20 years. And then we went to Austin, Texas. We were missionaries there for about seven years to, to Texas. No, it was a great, great place, a great church, and we loved the people there. And then eventually we came back to California, been in central California around Visalia, um, between Fresno and Bakersfield, and uh, Porterville is where we've lived the last number of years. We literally a month ago moved to Atascadero. Anybody know where Atascadero is? Yeah, a number of you do. Well, it gets pretty hot. Uh, uh, the good news is in 20 minutes, you can go from 90-something to 60-something from either to Morro Bay or San Luis Obispo or whatever. So um, anyway, we're, we're still sorting through boxes. And so if I'm a little scrambled today, we're still kind of a little scrambled about that. But, uh, but we're going to talk today about grandparenting. And uh, I'm going to share with you some principles and also some resources because we can't cover everything. And I don't know everything. So I'm going to direct you to some resources. And on your handout, hopefully, did anybody not get a handout? Everybody got a handout? Uh, one of my favorite authors, and actually he's a friend, uh, named Tim Kimmel. Anybody know Tim Kimmel or know that name? He's been as a pastor and now on, uh, does uh, grace uh, parenting and grandparenting and ministry out of Phoenix and Scottsdale. He has a great quote I like to put at the very top here. He says, grandparenthood is not just another phase of your life. It's a sacred calling. You have the opportunity to influence another generation of children. You play an eternal role in their lives. It's not often we get such a significant second chance. Tim and his wife Darcy wrote a book called Extreme Grandparenting. And uh, somewhere in the notes, you'll probably see that as one of the references, but it's a great book. I would encourage you to get it. And it's loaded with great material. And I'm going to read a couple more quotes that I really like from there. He says, too many grandparents have never figured out that their most productive years for the kingdom of God may be ahead of them. Let me read that again. Too many grandparents have never figured out their most productive years for the kingdom of God may be ahead of them. And some of the most significant people in your ministry for the kingdom may be in your own family. Another great quote he says here, God never meant us to see our twilight years as a time to put ourselves, our lives on cruise control, not to be involved in making a significant uh, difference to those who matter to us most. He never meant for us to view the last decades of our lives as a time of hitting the pause button and stop the upward climb toward emotional maturity and spiritual responsibility. It would be a shame to do that. It robs you, it robs your children and grandchildren, it robs God. If anything, retirement is a time to step up to greater responsibility of being the patriarch and matriarch, wisdom hunters who set a great example and offer unfettered love and a humble, winsome character to their larger family. So those are some quotes out of Extreme Grandparenting by Tim and Darcy Kimmel. They also have a, a, uh, 
video series that they've done that could be shown in a Sunday school class or a home Bible study group. So it's worth checking out doing that. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at different roles that we play as grandparents in our families. And uh, just as an introductory uh, overview, I think there's kind of at least three kinds of grandparents. One are grandparents that are just focused on themselves and their life. They don't see their role as a significant thing. We've had neighbors in the past who got their motor home. I don't know if it had the bumper sticker or not, but we're spending our children's inheritance. And they took off, and you hardly see them, and they were not engaged. We could tell hardly at all with their family. And there's others that are, I think, moderately involved at Christmas, birthdays, every chance you get to try to do a little something. And, you know, having best intentions. But a third kind of grandparent would be what I would call more intentional. Really seeing their role as significant. And, and parent, grandparents uh, have a significant potential role. And then looking for ways to do that. We're going to talk a lot of examples about how people can be more intentional about that. And that's what we're going to be focusing on. Well, number one we're going to talk about today is this. One of the vital roles that we can play is knowing how to get the computer working here again. Okay, do we have any technical people in here today? There we go. Number one, one of our major goals that we have as grandparents is being a heritage builder. Well, what does that mean? In Psalm 71, it says, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still declare to you your wondrous deeds. Even now, when I am old, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all those who are to come. Psalm 78 talks about passing on the, the heritage of the faith we've received on to the next generation and then the generations to follow that. Uh, that. They should teach to their children and their generation to come might know even the children yet to be born. There's four or five generations in that verse, how we're to pass on the heritage of faith that we've received. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, great Presbyterian pastor in Philadelphia of a generation or so ago, uh, quoting on Psalm 78, it says, According to Scripture, one of the central tasks or roles of grandparents is to teach their grandchildren the words and the works of God. Christians are the people of the story, and they need grandparents to pass on this story. Grandparents fulfill the role of being God's storytellers, telling the truths of Scripture, as well as being living stories and modeling the truths of the Bible by living day by day. Uh, Larry Fowler is a man who y'all refer to from time to time. Anybody heard the name or know Larry Fowler? He's part of a ministry that started up recently in the last few years called the Legacy Coalition. And he was working with the Awana ministry in Chicago for like 30 years. His children began to grow up and move away and get married, have children. He realized his grandchildren were time zones away from where he lived. And he was reading in Deuteronomy chapter 4 one day, and it says this, Only give heed to yourselves and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen. In other words, the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the land after being in the desert for 40 years. And when you do, don't forget the things you've seen. Do not depart from your heart the days of your life and, do, and make it known to your sons and your grandsons. Not just as parents passing on our heritage to our own children, but he also talks here about grandchildren. And that verse just knocked him over. He had never seen that before. It impressed him so much. He and his wife sold their house in Chicago and moved to Riverside, California to be closer to their kids and be involved intentionally in the lives of their grandkids. 
And so that's a passage uh, that, that, that was powerful in his life. As we think of examples of people passing on their heritage, can you think of any New Testament character who has someone in their family that helped pass along? Any ideas who, who that might be? Timothy. Timothy was one. Uh, he had a, a mother and a grandmother that were solid believers in the Jewish faith and then be, believers in Christ, but had a father that apparently was not, and apparently a, a, a pagan and just a, in the Roman Empire. 2 Timothy 1.5, I have been reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. This sincere faith has been passed on from grandmother to mother to you. 2 Timothy 3.15, from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation in Christ. And the Bible talks about how we're to pass on our heritage of faith, that what we've received, to pass it on not only just to others in all the world, but particularly those that are closest to us, that we have opportunity with our kids, our grandkids, other relatives and our family, um, and to do that. So to be heritage builders, to be passing on, the, be transmitters of the heritage of faith. Elmer Towns, very involved uh, in a big church in Virginia, said this sometime back about grandparenting. He said, what can a grandfather give to his grandchildren when he has nothing left to give? The most important thing that you can give your grandchildren is not money, is not possessions, or even a homestead. The most important thing is a spiritual heritage that will guide their life. And so there's just a number of things that can be done there in the whole area of heritage, but I wanted to give you some resources along with each one. So on this one here, there's a ministry that's called Heritage Builders. Anybody heard of them before? It was part of Focus on the Family for a number of years because of financial reasons. They had to kind of separate. It's a separate ministry. You can find them if you go online. Uh, a guy named Jim Weidman was part of that. Otis Ledbetter is a pastor in Clovis. Uh, at Sunrise Church there. Uh, his son-in-law down in uh, Dallas area is part of that. But there's a number of people. It was part of the Focus on the Family Ministry. And they've, they've got a whole bunch of different books and things out there. I've got a few books over here. These are my own copies. So these aren't like for sale or to take away. Here's a book called Extending Your Heritage by Otis Ledbetter and Randy Scott. So there's a whole series of these books. And so my hope is that you'll write some of these down or put a star by some of these and at some, you'll get home and get online and, or go talk to the people in the bookstore. Do you have this book? But this whole idea of passing on our heritage uh, is a whole great ministry and you can, you can learn more from that uh, in that way. Another thing that we can do as well is we can be a family historian. How many of you remember back in the 70s a book and a TV series that made a great impact called Roots? How many remember that whole thing? It was a story of an African-American man who was an author, went back and tried to trace all he could back to literally slaves that came over from Africa. And it was mostly through oral interpretation, oral stories that were passed on from place to place to place. And that book, Roots, just took off. It was just, and the movie came out, it was a miniseries that went on for weeks. And it was just so powerful. But it talked about the roots that, that, that each of us has. Well, unfortunately today, because of our culture, because of, of the dynamics of families and all the problems and things going on in our culture today, that many children are growing up without any roots. If you were to ask them, well, tell me about your grandparents or your great-grandparents, where, where did your family come from? Most of them, I mean, many of, many of these kids don't know. 
And as a result of that, it really impacts who they are and how they see life and, and how, they, how they respond to things. And so someone has said, instead of having roots, they're more like cut flowers, that they're kind of seeing themselves as an individual and not connected really as a, a family. And so as someone has said, one of the most important things children can receive from their grandparents is a sense of roots. To be on the outlook, to be on, be on the outlook, be on the lookout for opportunities to tell about their ancestors and people that go back, that they can share those stories. Part of that is passing on your story. <clears throat> There's opportunities for you to, to pass along some of your information, where you grew up, uh, what your experiences were with maybe your aunts or uncles or your grandparents and, and, and people in, in your family. Uh, that there's a, a, a family heritage that passed on. To tell about your own life. Where did you grow up? And uh, where did you go to school? And what kind of jobs did you have? And, and uh, what kind of things did you do? And how did you and, and, and grandma or grandpa meet each other? And so passing on these stories and not just the successes. You know, I got this job and I, I got promoted. There were three times I stumbled and fell and we didn't know what we were going to do. And God came in and rescued us and we got through this. And so to, to tell the, the, all, all of those kind of stories. But it's important for us to pass on that. You know, many of you, probably if I went to your house, you've got some pictures of family members, maybe great grandparents or maybe a favorite fishing trip or a favorite vacation or something. And those are important things to do so that the kids will ask about that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But if you have an opportunity and you're in an area where you grew up, you know, take the kids and the grandkids by and say, hey, see that house over there? Didn't look like that back when I grew up. It was a little different. They remodeled it. They expanded it. You know, that's where I grew up. That's, see that school over there? That's where I went to elementary school. See that church down there? That's the first church I ever went to was over there. So there may be some of that, but with all of the travel and all of the people that are, are uh, spreading out now, it's not as easy to do that as it used to be. And so to be thinking about that. Uh, is there somebody in your family that has been recording or collecting or keeping some of those things? Uh, there's some people who are really into the ancestry and those kind of things. Uh, for those that really want to get into it more, Rachel Williams, who is the wife of the former director here, uh, is apparently very talented and very gifted in that area. And so if you, she sometimes is out here taking family pictures, but she could tell you more if you have questions about how to do that, if you want to go back and find out more about that. But are you or is somebody in your family capturing that material? Somebody putting together, I have a, a friend in Visalia, uh, their family came from Ukraine, you know, a couple of generations ago, and they were Mennonite, and they came to the Central Valley, and they're farmers, and he's got four or five books about that thick, all kinds of stories and pictures and maps about where all of their family came from. And he's got a huge family, and they've printed, you know, one for everybody. And he did a lot, a lot of work on that. But the family can go back and look at their roots. They can figure out where they came from. And so, uh, uh, so keeping some of those things. And, and we have, we just moved from the Central Valley to Atascadero. And we have boxes all over the place. And I have been collecting a lot of the family photos. And we have pictures that go back way, way back. And uh, we're going to probably at some point do the legacy box thing where you send off your photos or your negatives or whatever, and then they'll put them on digital for you and preserve them because eventually some of these are just going to not be around anymore and, and they'll all be gone. But, uh, but, but to do that. Another thing that's important for grandparents, oh, here, I'm just going to give some of my story. This is my great-grandfather, uh, and he came over from England in the 1880s to America and eventually ended up 
after many places, he worked with the YMCA. He was kind of a, a Bible teacher, an evangelist, and he would go into a city and stay there for several months or a couple of years, boost the YMCA in that city, then he'd go on to another city and do that. So uh, that's my, and then my dad is the one in the far right here. That was my dad in Korea during World War II. And uh, here's some other pictures of our family. That's my, one of my grandmothers when our kids were little, came out from Denver to visit us and my other grandparents. And so is somebody collecting the pictures and the stories in your family? Pass them on as you're able to do that. Family traditions. Family traditions. Some people think of traditions. Oh, and traditions, that's, that's bad. Uh, traditions can be good. You know, the traditions can be good if they're useful and they're helpful. And our goal here is to impact our grandkids. And so to, to be able to do that, uh, someone said that the definition for that is the practice of handing down stories, beliefs, and customs from one generation to another in order to establish and reinforce a strong sense of identity. So to have traditions that are meaningful, not just, well, we always do this, or every Friday night we go get you know, Mexican food, or, but to have some meaningful traditions that we'll talk about some examples of. But the basic purpose is to reinforce a, a sense of identity and values that we have. Now, did the, when you look in the Old Testament, did the, did the Jewish people care much about traditions? No, not much. Did, yes, they did. A huge amount. They did a huge amount. Uh, Book of Leviticus has got all these feasts and festivals and things. There's, if you had a Jewish calendar up on the wall, about every three or four weeks, there's some kind of a feast or festival because God told them to remember and have this feast. And I mean, the, the Feast of Tabernacles, they would go out outside, they'd leave their house, they'd go out in the, the woods somewhere, they'd put together a, a stick shelter, and they'd live out there for like a week or something, just so they would remember their ancestors did that when they were out in the uh, in the wilderness back in the Old Testament days. So they had feasts and festivals. Some were weekly. Some There was obviously a weekly Sabbath. Uh, there was traditions of every few weeks. Once a year, they had the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, Day of Atonement, all of these different ones. Today, traditions can be helpful as well. I mean, probably most of us at least celebrate birthdays. You know, at least, at least once a year, there's some birthdays that are celebrated in the family. Well, that's a pretty good tradition to, to start with. But maybe there's other milestones along the way. Maybe there's a particular milestone that a grandchild achieves. You know, they, they pass kindergarten. You know, and you get to go and take a picture of them with their cap and gown in kindergarten. Or maybe when it's, you know, junior high graduation or high school or, or college or whatever. To celebrate accomplishments. Uh, maybe good report cards and, and uh, other things like that. Using holidays is a great time to use traditions. Uh, some families, you know, have different meals together. They go to a certain house or they rotate it around. Um, there, there's some great things there. In the summertime, some people have a tradition of going to family camp. How many of you have a family tradition of going to family camp? How many have come here many, many years over the years? Okay, it's a tradition. If you've done it several times, it's become a tradition. Uh, we started bringing our kids here in the late 70s when they were still little, and we camped out at Henry Cowell State Park because we couldn't afford a cabin here in those days for a few years. And we how many, how many did that a few times? And we camped out there, and then finally another couple, of, we said, let's go together and get a big cabin. And we did, and we shared it, and we've been doing that. And there's been times recently, in recent years, we said, you know, as Mount Hermon kind of outlived, it's it, no, Dad, we got to go. We, and so our kids come, our grandkids come, and so... It's one of the best traditions we've ever had for us to come here. It's just a reek of refreshment and encouragement, and all these college kids are running around encouraging and, and catch uh, contagiousness. And so uh, summer, 
uh, thing to do. Christmas traditions, some of you have got different places you go or things you do. Uh, maybe build in certain ones. And we've got certain things that we do on, on certain holidays. And, and, uh, but our kids and our grandkids look forward to those times when we're going to do that. And so it's not just a ritual. A ritual is kind of just something you do because you got to do it. A tradition is something you want to do. You want to do those special things. And so build that in. And so are there some traditions that you guys have? Are there certain ones that, that uh, have, have been meaningful to you? On the resources, let me just mention a couple things here. I've got Raising a Modern Day Night by Robert Lewis. And it's a great book about raising boys. Anybody seen that book or read that book? It's a great, great book. And what it does in there, he talks about milestones for, for children of building up, you know, maybe they, they get to be uh, maybe 12 years old. You know, there's not the, the bar mitzvah and those kind of things that many cultures have. But maybe it's a passage of life. You know, you're moving now into teenage years. You're moving into this. Or you finish high school. You're going off to college. That there's some traditions to get some other men or other people involved in that life and have a ceremony. And, or maybe have, uh, uh, well, I'll talk about another idea here in a couple of minutes. But spiritual milestones, Jim and Janet Weidman. Um, it, it's interesting. Jim Weidman was on staff with Focus on the Family for many years. I heard him speak and had him come and speak at a men's retreat we did in Texas one time. He's one of my heroes. I love this guy. The other day, I'm looking at the speakers for next summer. His son is one of the speakers here next summer. So that just, I mean, there's something about, I mean, and he and his son, he said, well, Steve, I'll come speak at your, you know, your retreat in Austin, but only under one condition, if you'll fly my son down with me. So both he and his son went to the retreat. Both of them spoke. And now he's a pastor, and now he's going to be speaking at Mount Hermon next summer. So there's something working in that family. Uh, but there's a bunch of, of resources there. Chuck Stecker, if you know that name, he's out of Denver also. Uh, he's a great guy, former military guy. Um, he speaks at men's conference. He was on staff with Promise Keepers for a number of years. And uh, you can see his book. It's also talking about passages of life ceremonies that you can, you can do and you can use. So... Um, all right, let's go to the next one here. Building good memories. How many people like good memories? Okay, okay, good. When you look back to your time with your grandparents, do you remember some good memories? Do you have some good memories? Uh, if so, what were some things maybe you did? Uh, you know, or it was like, boy, grandpa was always grumpy. You know, I never really liked, he, they were always traveling somewhere. So some people do not have a good experience with, with grandparents, but hopefully some of you did, and, and, and hopefully we, they're going to be blessed being by us. But someday we're going to be gone, and all that's going to be left in some ways is their memories and the impact that we may be left for them. So what are special things that we can do to build memories and, and things we can do? Some suggestions. Take them places and show them things that perhaps they would not be able to do otherwise. Uh, there might be some places that you can afford to take them that maybe the mom and dad can't do that because of the finances of the situation. If, if you go on a trip, uh, our grandparents, when we grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, it's 110 degrees every day. It's hot. And, and uh, as kids, you don't even think about it. We didn't think about that, but it's kind of hot today. It was probably 110, but we never knew what it was. Our grandparents had a, a, a trailer, and they would take it up to Prescott or up to the White Mountains in Arizona, and they would take us for a week or two. We'd, we went fishing up there. We'd take hikes in the woods, and we did all kinds of We'd play canasta. I can't know how to play it today, but I remember we'd play canasta. We laughed. We played board games. We had fun. And so there were fun memories of us going up to the mountains for a week or two and doing that. 
I have a, a friend who lived in Grass Valley. We were talking about Grass Valley a while ago. And uh, for some reason, his little grandson, I don't know how Lily was, elementary school age, he loved this whole idea of archaeology, that you dig up. And of course, in the, on the 49er you know, highway up there, there's a lot of old stuff and there's archaeology that goes on. They find all these things that are 150 years old up there in the Gold Rush area. And his grandson got into that. And so one day he went to a secondhand store, bought an old vase, broke it, dug a hole in the backyard and buried the vase. And he said, I think we ought to dig over here and let's see what's over here. And sure enough, you know, he's uncovering this vase and they're putting it together. But that's one thing he did just because that was an interest the kid had. And so they're building memories. Remember, Grandpa, remember that time we went out in the backyard and dug up that old vase? You know, they, some great memories of that. Uh, but maybe it's, you know, with you, it's playing cards, having good food. I can remember, you know, going to the mountains. And every time we went to Grandma's house, there was always good food, lots of good food. Is there a theme there somewhere? My grandparents taught, taught me how to fish, my brother and I. Uh, we had some great memories uh, at Christmas at their house. They always had a great breakfast. Uh, my grandfather took me to my first baseball game, my first professional game. We grew up in Phoenix, and every March and April, there's something down there called what? Spring training. And this is back in the 50s, and there were like four teams in Arizona in those days. There's now like about 30 or no, 50. I think half of them are in, in Phoenix now, half are in Florida. But he took me to my first baseball game at Phoenix Municipal Stadium. It was the Chicago Cubs and the New York Giants before the Giants moved out west. I still have the program from that. He kept score, and there's names in there like Willie Mays and Ernie Banks. And Anybody remember some of those names? Ernie Banks was my favorite player when I was a kid growing up. A few years ago, uh, I took one of my grandsons to Phoenix for spring training because I just had such an impact on me. I don't know if it had much of an impact on him. He's not a big baseball fan like I am. But, uh, but what are some memories that you could do? What are some things that you could build in, into there? Another thing is teachable moments. A teachable moment is when something happens that there's a little light bulb that goes on and there's a connection there. And uh, there's, there's different aspects of that. Um, you know, there's a relationship that's there, there's a catalyst that triggers it, and then you try to connect that to a principle or a life, a life principle or a, a, hopefully a scripture verse that, that's there. And uh, a teachable moment can be used to affirm or encourage or correct uh, a child. There's a book over here, I've got it written down, one of my favorite books, it's called The Power of Teachable Moments by Jim Weidman. He's the guy whose son is going to speak here next summer. And uh, I'll give you an example here in a couple of minutes, but it's great. So again, these are books. I just brought a few of my books today. They're not for sale or anything like that, but, but you're welcome to look through there. And we have a security guard at the door, so they won't, they won't leave. So. But teachable moments, uh, there's two parts of that. One is you can capture a teachable moment, or you can create a teachable moment. So you can capture one. Uh, for example... There might be a situation that was unplanned, you know, nothing, you know, spectacular planned, but all of a sudden, you're just an opportunity. Uh, a child, um, you know, leaves his favorite stuffed animal out in the driveway. All night it rains. What do you do? You go out with the child and say, look at your little teddy bear. What happened? Oh, he's all wet. I'm so sad. What can we do? What happened? Well, you left it out here, and if you do that, something may happen to it. Uh, you're on a trip with the grandkids, and they have an allowance. You gave them X number of dollars to spend on souvenirs or candy or whatever it is. And one kid, just because he probably the way he's wired, first stop at the mini mart, you know, get gas. He rushes in, spends all of his money on 
Dorito chips and who knows what, and he, all his money's gone. Well, a few times later, the other kid that's a little more slow in spending his money finds a great souvenir. Oh, yeah, Grandpa, I want one of those too. Well, where's your money? I don't have any more. Teachable moment. It's there. You know, it's an opportunity to do that. Another thing to do is to create a teachable moment. You may remember the story back in Joshua chapter 3. The Hebrews people have come out of Egypt. They've been in the desert for 40 years. They've crossed the Jordan River. It's at flood stage. Anybody been around river at flood stage? Uh, yeah, I remember the, the Salt River in the middle of Phoenix. It's flood stage one year around New Year's. and it was, The canals broke. It was a wild year that year. And at flood stage, God stopped up the river. They crossed on dry ground. They get to the other side. God starts the river up in flood stage, and there they go. They're on the other side of the river now. And so God told Joshua, go over to the river, take some stones, pile them up, and someday when your children ask, what do those stones mean? You will say, and God, God did this for us. And so the idea of having a memento, of having a memorial, of having something that will trigger an opportunity to talk about that. Uh, David Jeremiah in his study Bible says this, we may not use large stones today, but we can construct memorials as reminders of God's power in our lives and our spiritual heritage. What was God doing in your life? What is God doing in your life that's worth memorializing? What reminders or mementos are you leaving your children concerning God's works on your behalf? Do you have a letter, a photo, a receipt, a piece of art that testifies of what God has done for you? So just to be thinking about what are some different things that we could do that will trigger that. There was a place in Arizona up near the Grand Canyon, a place called Havasupai, where there's these beautiful waterfalls. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, well, that was a place I was there, and I heard, that's where I really heard the gospel. And at, around that campfire that night of a youth group trip to the bottom of the Grand Canyon, I look back as that's a point when I really committed my life to Christ. So I've got a picture that was an old Hallmark cardboard thing. I still have that picture. At some point, I'm going to get it on my new office wall. And so someday, my grandkids are going to say, Grandpa, where's that? Well, let me tell you about that story. Let me tell you what happened there. Jim Weidman, I've talked about a couple of times here. He's got the son that's going to speak here next summer. He was on staff with Focus on the Family. He was called the Family Night Guy because he did. He and some other guys developed a thing called the Family Night. Then he wanted dads to organize a family night every week. And so for them, it was Sunday night. And they would gather the kids together around the kitchen table on Sunday night and uh, said, guys, we're going to have a little activity here. And then afterwards, we're going to get some ice cream. And uh, it's going to be a fun night. So it was never, you know, reading from Deuteronomy, you know, the voice very slowly. It was something fun. It was an object lesson. And so what had happened in their house, a whole lot of just arguing, getting on each other's nerves. The kids were just bickering with each other. And they're saying things that are not, not nice. And so he says, okay, we're going to have family night. And so the kitchen table's laid out. There's paper plates. Everybody gets a paper plate. Everybody gets a tube of toothpaste. And he said, we're going to have a, a contest. And the contest is this. Part one is see who can get the toothpaste out of the tube the fastest. Ready? On your mark, get set, go. And so the kids are all, you know, squeezing the toothpaste, and it's piling up. And it probably smells like toothpaste and the whole, you know. I win, I win. You know, one of the kids says, he says, good, that's part one. Part two is, now get all the toothpaste back in the tube. 
on your mark, get set, go. He says the first guy, the first person to get all the toothpaste back in the tube gets $20 bill. He puts it on the table. They go, and they're going, and they're, you know, you can imagine what that was. You know, for the first minute or two, yeah, I can do it. I can, where, and after about two or three minutes, they're all, no, this doesn't work. This is not fair. I can't do it. And they all kind of, he says, okay, time out. Put all of that stuff away. In a while, we're going to go get ice cream. But first, I'm going to read for you from James chapter 3. And he read the scriptures about the power of the tongue and how the words can be powerful, can be hurtful, can be mean, can be, but once you say them, you can't get them back. And he read the scripture, they talked about it, had a prayer, they went out for ice cream. It was a family night, and so he said that. You might have the grandkids at your house to spend the night some night. Maybe you have the grandkids with you once in a while, get to do something special. Well, Jim Weidman and some other people have written several of these workbooks. They've got all of these object lessons in there. A lot of them are, you know, they're fun is what they are, but they teach a lesson. And so just you might look, I've got that on your sheet there. Uh, there's Heritage Builders. Uh, and again, Jim Weidman's uh, book up here. You can check that out as well. So let me keep going here. Encourager. One of the most important roles that you can play in the lives of your grandkids is to be an encourager. There are so many forces and people and peers that are just putting them down every day. You know, if they've got some little smudge on their pants, you know, so, oh, look, that smudge on your pant. You know, where did you get that outfit? Or where did you, why did you get your hair cut that way? Whatever. Everybody's out there, especially when they're younger, get to be, you know, teenagers, they're all picking on each other, and they're, everybody's critical of stuff, and, and so they need some people to be encouraging, to give them perspective on life. This little smudge on the pants isn't going to be very important, you know, five years from now, but what you're doing, you're building into their life, you're encouraging them, and you can make a big difference. And over these last two and a half years with the COVID, uh, it's been such a hard time. Uh, many of you maybe don't even live close to your grandkids, uh, but maybe through the COVID, there's been some FaceTime or there's been some Skyping or, or uh, uh, you know, various things that you've done on Zoom and, and to be able to do that. But to be able to be an encourager, I was reading a story about uh, a guy who was off, he, he, he joined the army and when he was there, he realized how far away he was from home, how lonely he was, and just he couldn't wait, you know, to, to get through this part of his training. And there was one person that always sent him a letter. Guess who it was? Grandma. grandma. It was grandma. And, and he, every time they got mail call, grandma had sent a letter. Maybe there was something in there. But just he could always count on, on grandma doing that. And he, he realized later on what an encouragement that that had been. But to be a cheerleader for the kids, I mean, literally, sometimes at the ball game, to be the cheerleader, uh, you know, and to, or at the event, or to be there when they're giving their speech at the speech contest, or just to be there for their, whatever's going on at school, their performance, or their play, or at church, or whatever, but just to be there to encourage them, and to help them, uh, and, and being along the way, to encourage them, uh, and, and the, this idea also of identifying things they're good at. You know, we're not all good at everything, but we're good maybe at some things, and you can help identify. You know, that was really thoughtful how you helped your sister with that thing right there. That was really a good thing. Or, you know, in this project you're doing at school, boy, I can see, man, I, you, you might be an architect someday. You might be an engineer someday. You might be a, 
a zookeeper. You, might, you, you love animals so much. You might be a veterinarian someday, whatever that would be. But to begin projecting ahead of seeing, you know, I, I could see you doing X, Y, you could see me doing that? Really? But I mean, don't, don't make it up. You know, I can see you being the next Elon Musk. No, maybe that's not what they're going to be, but it could be something else that you could project out and give examples of, of encouraging them in that way. Another thing that we can do is to be a supportive partner with their mom and dad, with our kids or their, their spouses. And uh, the Bible talks about to bear one another's burdens and to you know, imitate the, the love of Christ in that way. And being a parent today is, is so hard, and they're dealing with issues that some of us didn't have to deal with with our kids when they were younger and stuff. And so they're having a hard time. Financially, I mean, there's no, no need to say any more than that. I mean, we're in the, the, the worst in, uh, inflation in 40 years, and the economy is rough, and the gas prices, and everything is rough. And so it's very likely mom has to go to work just to help make ends meet. And so for grandma and grandpa to be available to come in from time to time. Uh, I was talking to somebody a while back who said that they, they pick up their grandkids from school or drop them off. And they said, you'd be amazed how many grandparents are dropping the kids off and picking them up because mom, mom's got to work and dad's got to work and, and we can step in and fill that gap. That's a very practical thing uh, that can be done to transport them to school, uh, to be you know, partners in different ways, and, and just to, to financially. I mean, we, we need to be careful we don't spoil the grandkids, but sometimes financially we can come along and help. Um, you know, sometimes the kid's talented. You know, they got musical talent. And maybe we could say, wait, if you want to take piano lessons, maybe grandma and grandpa could help with that. Or you want to take gymnastics lessons, or you want to take dance lessons, or, or there's swimming, or whatever. That for mom and dad, that might not fit in the family budget because things are so tight right now. But we can come along. Summer camp. Uh, you know, I don't know how many years ago, I, I was a youth pastor, and, you know, I don't know, camp was 100 bucks so summer or whatever. I don't know right now, it's somewhere like four or $500 for a week at Hume Lake or something like that now. Is that accurate? Is that pretty? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you think your average family with, with the 40-year worst inflation and gas prices and everything else, hey, Dad, I want to go to camp. Oh, great. You know, well, let's start preparing for next year, you know, whatever. But Grandma and Grandpa can come by. We were just at a church recently in the area where we live, and uh, the pastor was up thanking all of those who had made donations toward the camp fund because so many families could not afford, you know, just to, to, send, to spend $500 to send a kid for a week at camp at Mount Hermon or Hume Lake or Forest Home or wherever it would be, uh, and to do that. To help maybe setting aside a little money for college fund. Our, our grandparents did that. We didn't really realize that until we were getting toward college, my brother and I, and they had set some money aside to help us with that. And even through uh, uh, some of that money continued to help us through seminary. And so that was a... That was a great blessing. So just to be a supportive partner, maybe be thinking about what are some areas where we could come alongside. Maybe it's to help drive them places, to help financially, um, you know, and do a number of those things. What I'm going to do when we get toward the end, I'm going to save a little bit of time. Well, I want to hear some of your ideas. And we've talked about traditions and supporting, and I want to hear some thoughts that you've had or things you've seen or maybe you've experienced too. Just to be a nurturer and helper. Um, you know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 talks about, you know, things that are true and things that are right and things that are pure. You know, dwell on these things. You know, try to help our kids focus on those kinds of things and pass on things. My wife has been a teacher for many, many years and just retired in, in June. 
And uh, she, the last, uh, well, last 20 years or so, you taught in Christian schools, and she had the liberty to teach kids scripture songs. And every week, the, kid had a mem- the kids had a memory verse, and it was a scripture song that, that they learned. And by the, you know, two or three days into the week, they had the song. By Friday, they had to be able to, to give it and say it, but they had memorized scripture in a song. And we were just talking about that with our own grandkids, about how to maybe incorporate more of that. Uh, those scriptures and those songs are tucked away back there somewhere. And 10 or 20 or 30 years from now, and some kids going through a hard time when they're a different season of life, some of those scriptures can come back and, and God will use that. You know, Isaiah 55, that his word will never return void. And so to incorporate those kinds of things. Sometimes you can be a, a nurturer by things that you might send them. If they live, how, how many of you have grandkids that live away from you, not close by? Okay. Uh, by the way, when we mentioned the Legacy Coalition, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that at the end uh, and talk much more about it tomorrow. It's this ministry that started to help equip and encourage grandparents to be more intentional in the, you know, to be the intentional grandparent, more intentional. And they've written several books. There, there was a, a dearth, is that the word? of books. There was hardly any books anywhere on Christian grandparenting up until about 10, 8 or 10 years ago. And in the last about five years, they've published several really good books by really good authors to how to encourage us and equip us. One is called Long Distance Grandparenting. And because of the mobile society we're in and people get jobs and move and all this stuff's going on, it's quite probable that many of us have grandkids that don't live anywhere close by or you can't go see them very easily. And so there's a whole book uh, of, of that called Long Distance Grandparenting that's available on the website. If you go to LegacyCoalition.com, it's on the last page, the website's there. But go to the store and there's a whole list of resources and books and things like that, but Long Distance Grandparenting. And there's... Has, how super. Well, that is great. Yeah, that... Good. That's great. Yeah, I think it's Wayne Rice, I think, wrote that. If any of you were involved with youth ministry, like back in the 70s or 80s, there was a thing called Youth Specialties. How many, anybody remember Youth Specialties? Wayne Rice and Mike Iaconelli. Well, this Wayne Rice is now, instead of working with youth ministry, he's now working with grandparenting ministry. He's working with the coalition, the Legacy Coalition. And he wrote that book because his grandkids live in a two time zones away or something. But there's things we can learn and, uh, and be able to, to do that. So to keep up to date with the kids, you know, with their interests and their, their, their hobbies, their sports, the things that the teams that they like, uh, we can email, we can text. Um, during, during the uh, pandemic, a good friend of mine, his grandkids live, again, a time zone away. And the one grandson was having a hard time with reading. And so they got on FaceTime or Zoom or something, and they had the same book. And on certain days of the week, they would get together and say, okay, he'd say, Connor, uh, here's, we're on page 72 today. You start reading here, and I'm gonna, I'll join you, and then we'll read it together. And he helped his son, his grandson, just develop his reading skills during the pandemic when he's home on, on Zoom. Uh, there's a friend of ours from Visalia uh, had grand, granddaughters in different areas, in different, in different states and all over the place. And there were, t- there were three teenage granddaughters, and they got together on Zoom. I forgot how many times a week, maybe three times a week, they got together on Zoom and went through a devotional. She said, hey, I got this great devotional, you know, devotions for teenagers or whatever it was, and would you guys like to go through it together? And she kind of expected, you know, she's kind of bracing herself for disappointment. 
They all said, yeah, we'd like to do that. So grandma went through on Zoom this little devotional with, with, with each of her teenage granddaughters. So there's some of those things you can do uh, to do that. Another role that we sometimes can play is just to be a listener, to, to be a confidant, you know, to be a sounding board. Our grandkids are growing up just like we did, and they got all kinds of questions and impressions and ideas, and they need somebody they can bounce it off of. And maybe, maybe they can't bounce it off mom and dad as well. But maybe they come to your house and spend a day or two or whatever, or, you know, and grandpa's out in the garage working, and the grandson can talk about things. What one time I've found is really helpful is bedtime. Uh, you know, you go in, pray with the kids, get ready to go to bed, and, and they think if they can start talking, that'll keep them up a little later, and they, they don't have to go to sleep right away. But you know what? Sometimes when the light's out and you're in there, they'll open up, and they'll, hey, Grandpa, can I ask you a question? Grandma, have you ever had this issue before? Or I have this friend that's got this problem, and, and sometimes they'll just open up, and that's, that's an important role that we can play, that we're just there as a sounding board. Um, I've often talked, I've been involved with men's ministry for a while, and, and it, it, they, uh, Grandpa, if you're going in your car or truck to Home Depot or the hardware store or wherever you're going, don't go alone. If you've got a grandkid nearby, hey, let's go. We're going to go to the store, and you can teach them what you're working on, and, and, and this is the tool I need, or this is the parts I need, or the materials I need. And you can always stop on the way back at a, you know get an ice cream cone or do something fun, make it special. But, but if you have a, an errand to run, don't just run off. You know, for us as men, we want to go from point A to point B and then check that off. You know? But it's the journey also. It's the journey to the hardware store. Grab a grandkid, grab somebody, and, and, and teach them how to do that. So there may be some different things that you can do there. Some of these are overlapping, but just the role of mentor. Uh, when most of us were growing up, there was wood shop, metal shop, auto shop, home ec, you know, how many went to at least one of those over the years? Okay. Most of that's gone now. You know, most of it's just a lot of the arts are gone. A lot of the music's gone. It's it just, it's really a shame. Uh, but there are kids growing up today who don't have skills. You know, they don't have life skills that came from, you know, many of us learned either from parents or grandparents um, and things like that. You know, like I talked about, my, my grandpa took my brother and I down to Encanto Park in downtown Phoenix and little canal there and taught us how to fish. You know, you put the worm on here, and here's the bobber, and, you know, when it goes up and down, it taught us how to fish. Uh, how to build a fence, you know, how to do a woodworking project, how to make jam, you know. Where, where do you get jam? You go to the store and buy it. Well, where'd they get it? Well, we're going to cook up this, these berries, and we're going to go get some, all these strawberries here in Santa Cruz County. Uh, you can make some jam. How to make a homemade bread or pies or, uh, you know, play a game of checkers or chess or teach them some of these things and, and, and things that you can do. And again, some of those are in that idea of teachable moments and, and uh, a number of ways you can do that. The last thing I have here is a prayer warrior. Uh, and probably in order of importance, this is number one, but I've got this on here last. But, but one of the most important roles that you can play in the lives of your grandkids is to be a prayer warrior, to faithfully continually uphold them, to pray for them, to pray with them as well. Uh, I, I read this story. One grandmother t told how her grandson had told her one of her classmates was going to miss school to have surgery. After learning more about this, she stopped and prayed right then with the grandchild for the friend who was at school. Later, she asked how that went, and they heard that the, the, the student had recovered very well. And so she said, well, let's stop right now and thank God for his answered prayer. 
And so just to make it a natural part of life, it's not just like, okay, we've got to wait till Sunday afternoon to pray or something, but just make it a natural part of praying with them. Um, and I won't take time right now, but there's a powerful story about, you know, a grandmother's prayer and in the Iron Curtain with Russia and later on discover that, but I wanted to just leave that. Uh, let me just mention to you, I'm going to talk about this much more tomorrow, um, not in, in entirely, but just, just to include this now. Um, the Legacy Coalition was a group that was started by Larry Fowler, this guy who was with Awana for 30 years, moved to Riverside, California, gathered several really neat people around him, and they started this ministry called Legacy Coalition. By the way, it's a ministry I don't think hardly anybody gets paid any money. It's all nonprofit. Most of the people live off their retirement or Social Security or whatever. So it's not like a big, you know, organized machine or something. It's a real, you know, simple ministry. Three great resources for them. Uh, number one is they have a, a six-part DVD series called Grandparenting Matters. Larry Fowler is teaching up on the screen with an audience out there. They've just updated it, like literally this month. They're coming out with an updated version. Uh, but if you go to the website, you'll see that's there. It is powerful. It is great. be great for a small group in your home or in some home Bible study group or a Sunday school class or an adult Bible fellowship. So it's called Grandparenting Matters. Number two, every Monday night, they have a thing called Grand Monday Nights. And so what they do, it's a one-hour webinar. It's a one-hour webinar where they have, bring in a guest speaker every week to talk on some topic for one hour. And uh, you go to the website, it'll give you the link, or you can log in, and they'll, they'll get you linked in. But it's on Zoom, and you go in about 10 or 15 minutes early, and they have some interviews they do with people. But there's a, last week, the guest speaker was Pat, uh, Sandy Patty. Anybody remember Sandy Patty, the musician? She and her husband were on there talking about some grandparenting things. And uh, so they've had a lot of, like, some are well-known people, and most of them you've never heard of in your life, but they have a ministry that's related to grandparenting where they're telling their story of things that they did. So number one, the DVD series. Number two is every Monday night. And by the way, you don't, if you miss it on Monday night, in fact, California time, it's 5 o'clock. If you're on the West Coast, it's 5 o'clock. If you're in Mountain Zone, it's 4 o'clock or whatever. Um, yeah, 6 o'clock in Mountain. But you can figure out the time zone part. Um, on that, but it, it's excellent. It's on, and they what they do they they save it. So if you miss that, if you miss it live, you can watch it all during that week. You can go back to it, click on it, and and, and do that. Uh, and number three is they do a national conference. And you mentioned the Fullerton EV Free Church. We were down there about four years ago. They hosted the National Legacy Coalition conference and had some really great, powerful speakers there, musicians, comedians exhibit areas, had all kinds of good stuff going on there. And, uh, and so they have a, a summit is coming up October 21 and 22, something like that. You go to the website, pull up some summit and, uh, and that would be, yes, the, this ties right. It's, it's up on the hill in that castle up there. Yeah, that's where it is. So uh, I guess that's pretty distressing. That's pretty dis Hey, this is going to be distracting now. I can tell. So anyway, check out Legacy Coalition. And what I want to do with the last nine minutes we've got, I want to open it up and hear thoughts or examples or something that maybe you've heard of or tried or, go ahead. 